All right, let's get into the Word of God this morning. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 3? The book of Exodus chapter 3, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 15. When I read, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. I'm going to ask you to stand in honor to the Word of God if you're able to. Exodus chapter 3 is our text, verses 1 through 15. Amen. We are uh, right in the middle of our series, God is Calling, and so excited to see what the Lord will do in this service. The Bible says, beginning in verse 1 of Exodus chapter 3, that one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. And though the bush was engulfed, totally engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him. From the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh." You must lead my people. I don't know if anybody picked up on this, but I want to point your attention to verse 8 where God says, I have come down to rescue them, right? In verse 8, that's God saying, I've come down to rescue them. And then in verse 10, he says, I am sending you, Moses. You must lead my people. But Moses, in verse 11, protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them that the God of your ancestors has sent me, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of, of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for this time that we have had to worship you. We now thank you for the time that we have in your word. We ask that your Holy Spirit would teach us, 
Challenge us, instruct us, have your way today and every day, God. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. All right, so for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how you might respond if God called your name in this new series that we're entitling, God is Calling. And I really hope that by now you are starting to understand that the Lord is always, He is always calling us in some way, shape, or form to Himself. In fact, God calls plenty of people in the Bible by name, but I've only found seven times where God calls out someone's name twice in a row, like Abraham, Abraham, or Jacob, Jacob, or Martha, Martha. But each time that God calls someone by name, He usually follows it with something powerful and profound. The first week we looked at this, he, we know that he called, God called Abraham to remind him that God must be first in his heart and in his life. How many of you know that God must be first? Amen? And so we saw how God actually tested Abraham to see if we would actually sacrifice and lay down his Isaac. And so because Abraham was willing to obey God readily right away, Isaac was actually returned to him safely. And we know that Abraham... As a result, Abraham was blessed abundantly. Last week, we saw how the Lord called Jacob in order to calm his fears. That's why he called him. If you recall, Jacob's 11 sons had lied to him. They deceived him about the death of his son Joseph 23 years earlier. And now, now they revealed that Joseph is actually alive and that he had forgiven them for their treachery. And because of his position and power, being second in command uh, only to Pharaoh, Joseph was now willing to bless them and basically save them during this harsh time of famine. But before going into Egypt, Jacob had to lay down his fears and, and God had to remind him that he would always be with him wherever he went. How many of you are glad that God is always with us? He's always with us. And so... God had to reassure Jacob of that. And so once Jacob laid down his fear, we know that God filled him with courage. God filled him with confidence and the faith to be able to move forward. This week, this week, the third person that God calls by name is Moses. Now listen, the story of Moses calling uh, is uh, maybe very familiar or memorable to us, maybe as memorable as your first kiss or that familiar living room that you're in all the time watching TV or, or sitting around. For some of you, if you've ever watched the epic movie, The Ten Commandments, anybody watch The Ten Commandments? With Charlton Heston or the animated musical, The Prince of Egypt, you might remember the theme surrounding Moses. And see, it's a story that, of a baby that was saved by the providence of God and the prudence of his mother. I'm so glad for prudent moms, amen? But it's also the story of a stubborn king who refuses to submit to any higher power. And now the calling of Moses is literally a story of redemption and a story of freedom. Uh, as Moses returns to Egypt and he actually leads his people, the Jews, into the promised land. But listen, before Moses ever stood on a Mount Sinai to be able to receive the Ten Commandments, and before he stood before the throne of Pharaoh to deliver his people, Moses stood before the burning bush in the desert wilderness of Midian. It was out of this magic-like burning bush that would not be consumed that God called Moses' name twice and basically totally transformed his life. I want us to go to verse 4 of the text again. Exodus 3 and verse 4. God calls out from the burning bush, Moses, Moses. 
both mystified and astonished. Moses replies, here I am. Once God had, and once God had a Moses' full and complete attention, he shared a message that would change the total course of Moses' life. First in verse 7, God tells Moses, I have certainly seen, say certainly seen. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard, say heard. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware, say aware. aware. I am aware of this suffering. So God certainly seen, God heard, God was aware. So God knew exactly what was going on in the life of his people. And God knows exactly what's going on in your life today. You see, 400 years earlier, Jacob and all of his children and grandchildren, they moved to Egypt to be with Joseph in relative, relative safety and prosperity, but generations had passed, time had passed, and the Hebrews were greatly multiplying. Eventually, a new pharaoh came to power who knew absolutely nothing about Joseph or what he had done for Egypt. And he actually saw the Hebrews as a, a threat to Egypt. So they kind of had like their own uh, uh, immigration issues. And so he used them as forced labor, actually making bricks for the great Egyptian monuments. And so they were slaves in Egypt. And yet, despite the crushing labor, despite the cruelty of the slave drivers, the Hebrews continued to thrive and to multiply. That's a message to us that no matter what the devil or the world does, if God's favor is upon you, you will thrive in the midst of a storm. You will thrive in spite of opposition. You, if God is with you, you will thrive. And so Pharaoh ordered uh, the slaughter of every single baby boy born to the Jews, uh, trying to wipe them out. And many times... They must have wondered, where is our God? Does God even know or care what's happening to us? And honestly, I think it's, it's something that we all wonder at times when things are going bad, isn't it? We wonder, where is God? Like when we look at all the tragedy and suffering around the world, do you sometimes wonder in the back of your mind if God is actually paying attention or if he even cares? I mean, the weekly reports of shootings and acts of terror, terrorism, they get the most attention from us, especially if there's a hidden political or fake news objective driving it, and that's on the top, and that's on top of everyday pain and suffering that we experience, maybe including your pain today. See, there's illness, there's abuse, broken relationships, betrayal, sorrows, injuries, a heartache, disappointment, crime, and death. And so when you are in the midst of some crisis or hurt, you start to think, nobody knows what I'm going through. Or nobody feels the pain that I'm experiencing right now. And yet, if you don't know, God knows. God knows exactly what you're going through. He wanted Moses and us to know that he sees our suffering and that he really cares. Listen, in fact, he knows your feelings. Our God knows our frustrations. He's actually uh, seen the crisis of your soul. And so there's no hurt that goes unnoticed by our God. In Psalm 56 and verse 8, it says, you keep track, God, he keeps track of all my sorrows. Say all. He, he keeps track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. That's a God who cares. 
You have recorded each and every one in your book. And so, listen, God is definitely aware. And Jesus, he knows every single heartache. He knows every single headache. He knows every sob, every sniffle, every sorrow. But often while we're hurting, the sad reality is that we feel alone. We feel isolated. Like maybe there's been a death in the family or a broken relationship. Maybe we've been fired. We start to think that things are just going to get worse. And yet God not only sees our suffering, but he sympathizes too. Psalm 103 and verse 13 says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Listen, God knows the causes. He knows the reasons. He knows all of the things that brought you to this point in your life. And he understands because he made you. He created you. He sees all of it. Nothing escapes him. And because God knows our frustrations and despair, you and I today, we can give those feelings to God. In fact, he invites us to do that, just that, that very thing. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 7 where it says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about what happens to you. Listen, God doesn't just see and sympathize with our sufferings. He actually wants to do something about them. And so my question is, what is the solution? What is God's solution to our sufferings? I say God is calling. How does the Lord respond to the suffering that he sees in the world around us? Well, believe it or not, that's where you and I come in. See, getting back to God's conversation with Moses, let's go to verses 9 and 10 again. He says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending who? You, you Moses, to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. And so God had a solution to the, su to the suffering of the Hebrews, and the, the solution was Moses. See, God has a habit. Listen. God has a habit of using everyday, ordinary people to do extraordinary things for his, for his glory because God is calling. In an interview with uh, New Release Today, Christian singer and songwriter Matthew West. Anybody hear the name Matthew West before? And so Matthew West, he actually tells the story of a girl named Andrea. Matthew said, if I were judging a book by its cover, I'd say she looked like an average college girl, maybe in a sorority or something, lots of friends, bound to be successful someday, someday. and in a way, that, that is a correct assessment of her, but that doesn't tell the whole story. See, Andrea, a former University of Colorado student, had chosen to spend a semester abroad learning microfinancing in Uganda. And while there, she happened upon an orphanage that was in critical condition. The children in that orphanage were being very badly neglected. And they were even being abused. And her heart broke for these orphans who had no advocate, who had no help. And that's when the young American college student decided to do something because God is calling. I said this in the earlier service, so many times uh, we see situations that are overwhelming, situations that are bigger than ourselves, and we might say, oh, somebody will take care of that, or there must be an agency out there, or someone will surely step up, and, and, and for Andrea, she wasn't bothering with that. She was like, I need to call. I, I need to answer the call. I need to answer. 
what God is doing. And so Andrea, she called her parents, and I wouldn't want to be the parent on the other side of this call having my child in Uganda across the world. And she, she told her parents, I'm not coming home. I'm not coming home. Say, what? You're not what? I'm not coming home. And so Andrea basically refused to leave the hurting children all alone until something was done to improve their conditions and she was willing to answer the call because God was calling. In fact, her story, it actually inspired uh, Matthew West's song, Do Something. Do Something is the name of the song. I, I love the song because it's a call to action and it's convicting all at the same time. If you've ever heard it, uh, you know what I'm talking about, but if you haven't, I hope that you'll check it out later. Again, it's called Do Something by Matthew West. And in the opening verses, this, was, this is, are the words to the song. It says, I woke up this morning and saw a world full of trouble now. Thought, how do we ever get down, get so far down? How it's ever, how's it ever going to turn around? And so I turned my eyes to heaven. I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. The thought just disgusted me. And so I shook my fist to heaven and said, God, why don't you do something? He said, I did. I created you. I created you. That's essentially what God was saying to Moses. I believe that's what he's saying to us today. The same thing to you and I, because God is calling. You see, God didn't create you to just eat and drink and take up space. He made you to make a difference in this world. He created you to actually do something. You've heard me say a million times, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I know sometimes we hear that and we're like, yeah, 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 Pastor Freddie, I, I get it, I get it. No, no, no. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He wants to do something through you so much so that he's calling your name right now. He's calling your name right today. So the Lord has called each one of us to make a, the world a better place by making one decision and, and touching one life at a time. See, God has given us the same responsibility that he gave to Moses. And now listen, he may not be speaking to you out of a flaming bush. That would be cool though, wouldn't it? He's not speaking to you out of a flaming bush, but he certainly is speaking to us through scripture. In Psalm 82 verses 3 and 4, God commands us, give justice to the poor and to the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and the helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. And then Jesus, he simplified it. He, he kind of has the, the, the shortened version of the message in Matthew 22 and verse 39 when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. See, in case you missed it, we are living in some devastating times. Nearly 2 billion people are desperately poor, and 1 billion people in our world are hungry today. There are lonely and broken hearts that fill our streets, our neighborhoods, and our schools. In the midst of all that, many of us sit here today thinking, but Pastor Freddie, what? I'm only one person. What can I do? Moses responded that same way. I don't know if you picked up on it. See, Moses didn't jump at the chance to become Israel's deliverer. Instead, he, he made up all kinds of excuses like we do for why he couldn't do anything. It's like he said to God, God, you, you've got the wrong guy. Anybody ever say that to God? God, you must have the wrong person. I'm literally nobody, God. 
And so the people, they won't even believe me. And the Lord, Lord, did you forget that I actually stutter when I speak? And God, please someone send someone else. But listen, excuses are like armpits. Everyone has a couple and they usually stink. We've all got a long list of excuses. Yet God's commandments, they're literally his enablement. In other words, God would never call you to do something that with his help you couldn't do because God is calling. See, God not only answered each and every excuse that Moses gave, he also empowered Moses to perform mighty miracles in order to accomplish the task. And so listen, today you may not be able to turn a staff into a snake. You may not be able to turn a river into blood or to call down a plague of locusts to devour the landscape, but God gives each and every one of us talents and abilities that can be used to help others if you would only answer yes to the call of God. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10 that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts, so use them well to do what? To hoard them? To keep them in your pocket? To sit on your hands? No, use them well to serve one another. What kind of gifts has God given you? The Apostle Paul answers that question, actually, in Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, verses 6 through 8, says, he writes, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given to you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Listen, each and every one of us should be able to show kindness. Each and every one of us should be able to encourage at one time or another. It says he has given us a gift, but I believe that many of you are multi-gifted. You have a lot that God has given you. And so, listen, none of us can do every single thing, but all of us can do something. Let me say that again. None of us can do every single thing, but all of us can do something because God is calling. Listen, when we actually use the gifts that God has given us to minister to one another and to minister to the community around us, we begin to make a real difference in the world. And listen, the very best way for you to make the world a better place Anybody ever hear that phrase? Let's make the world a better place. Well, the best way you can do it and also to relieve the suffering that surrounds us is by serving with your strengths. It's by serving in your strengths. In fact, listen, your greatest ministry will likely come out of your greatest misery. Your greatest ministry will likely come out of your greatest misery. I know that when you're going through it, you're like, God, get me out of this. When you're feeling the pain in the middle of it, you want to just kind of escape to the other side. You want it to be over. But God will use your pain. God will use that tough season. God will use your brokenness. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 that God is our merciful Father. How many of you are glad God is a merciful Father? 
and the source. He is the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Listen, this might go without saying, but whatever you're going through, listen, whatever you're going through, whatever you're going through, you're not the first person to ever go through it. And, and guess what? You probably won't be the last. God is calling. The need is great around us. At least 76% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Many marriages, they end in divorce. Over a million Americans filed for bankruptcy last year. Over three uh, million women are treated for breast cancer every single year. And um, uh, uh, every year, Americans buy billions and billions of pain relief meds. In other words, we're all in the same boat. Who knows how many people experienced your same struggles? Who better to help them than you? Like who better to encourage an alcoholic than a delivered alcoholic? Who better to comfort someone who's been through the suffering and heartache of divorce than someone who's been through it? You came out. You're on the other side. Who better to tend to a cancer victim than a cancer survivor? Listen, don't let your experiences, good or bad, go to waste. When bad things happen to you, listen, listen, listen. When bad things happen to you, turn to the God of comfort. He cares about what happens to you. And when bad things happen to others, you comfort them the way that God comforts you. Worship team, come. When bad things happen to you, turn to the God of comfort. When bad things happen to others, you comfort them the way God comforts you. Listen, out of the burning bush, God called Moses to tell him, I see the suffering of my people, so I'm sending you. Reluctantly, nervously, Moses answered the call, and he became one, a part of one of the greatest epics in Bible history. I wonder what will happen if you answer God's call today. I wonder what will happen when you answer God's call today. Why don't you stand? See, I re really believe that God is wanting to take your everyday ordinary life and use it for his glory. It doesn't matter what you think you can't do. Remember, when God calls you, he equips you. The miracle is what he does with your yes. Say yes. Say yes. God is calling. I want to encourage you to answer the call, whatever it may be. Listen, God might be calling you to full-time ministry. It's not too late. Bible college and training is a part of that. It's a part of your yes. Maybe he's calling you to, to help someone around you in need. And, and listen, blessing them in a practical way is the yes to that call. Maybe today you can be the one to encourage someone not to quit. Listen, I told this in the in the first service, uh, you folks don't know at times the, the challenges that we face in ministry, but there have been multiple times in my over 10 years at Cross Point that I have walked in here and uh, wanted to resign, walk away, be done. And 
God sent one of you. You didn't know what I was going through. You said to me, Pastor, don't quit. Don't quit. You didn't know, but God knew. Or maybe he's calling you to pick up your cross and follow him daily. Listen, whatever it is, I hope that you're at, you'll answer the call because when God calls your name, everything changes. Everything changes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit. We know that the Holy Spirit is the teacher. He is the comforter. He is the counselor. And Lord, you are every bit present here today. I believe that you are calling all of us. I believe that our name is on your lips. I believe that right now you are desiring to use us. But for some of us, an excuse stands in the way. For, for some of us, we've been just so used to thinking that somebody else will do it. That God will use someone else. That we haven't given you, Lord, the opportunity to use us. And you are calling us because you have equipped us and you want to use us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would take our yes and use it for your glory. Take our yes and be glorified in it. Take our yes and help us change the world for Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.